Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening everybody, how are we? Um, Hello Andrea and Captain, you are both in the audience this evening. Um, Just going live on TikTok, give everyone a couple of seconds to join us there. Um, So yeah, here we go again, it's Thursday, it's six o'clock, which means that we are doing another Q&A with the Legal Queen. So here guys to help you answer any family law questions that you might have, any applications that you um, are looking to make and not quite sure how to make them. Good evening Laura, Missy and Jude all just joined us in the lounge. Um, We'll just give it a couple of minutes and let everything fill up. so yeah so what i do is i will go live on not just tiktok but on the discord uh, tuesday six or seven um record it and then it goes out on the podcast and the podcasts go out sorry i'm messing with my hair um the podcasts go out every wednesday and friday morning at uh, 6 a.m so if you want to ask me a question not sure how to do it download the discord app Once you've made yourself a little profile, come into the Legal Queen Discord, um, come into the lounge, pop your hand up and then I'll um, happily answer your question. Okay. Uh, Creepster Witch, you are next. What is your question? Fabulous name, by the way. Thanks. It was a um, Halloween joke and I just never bothered to change it. How can I help? my question is really about with the non-molestation cases. Do you yeah. deal with them at all? Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, sorry, because I'm just trying to figure out where I stand because my dad is still trying to get in contact with me and I broke contact like six, seven years ago and he's still trying to get back into my life and I don't want him to contact me. No matter what I do he will always try and find a way to try and get in contact with me. Okay. I just wondered if non-molestation order was the best way to sort of get him to stop doing that. It depends. So a non-molestation order isn't used because we just want to stop him from doing it because it's inconvenient, for example. Non-molestation orders are used or they're appropriate where actually we are in fear of our safety. You know, this Mm -hmm. is becoming... Um, more than just uh, a desperate attempt to get our Mm -hmm. attention this really is becoming something a lot more serious than that so you know without going into too much detail if it's just because he's being a nuisance then the non-mole isn't for you no um me and my mom fled a domestic abuse situation 10 years ago uh with with my dad being the domestic abuser and uh yeah he's He's trying to use the guilt trip that, you know, he pushed me into doing a few things when I was a kid that I was too scared to do. Generally, just being a dad. And then 
when it suited him and then when it was I disagreed with something it would come at me with the verbal abuse the emotional abuse and I have suffered psychologically because of it so let me let me ask you another question then when was the last time that took place when he was emotionally abusive to me was six years ago yes so the last instant would have to be within the last three months so okay. the non-mole probably isn't the one for you. Okay. All right. No, that's okay. I Great. just wanted to see where I could or anything like that. No so problem. Just no problem. Just All right. Just play from him then. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just block him as much as you can. Thanks, though. That was okay. a really good question. Okay. Bye. No, thank you. Uh, my family, I have invited you up to the stage. Sometimes if you're a new member, it does take a little while. Um, I'm going to come to Leah Doe next, so whenever you're ready. Um, and there we go, Leah Doe, you are up. What's your question? Oh, thank you. Um, sorry, I've not used this before. That's um, okay. And didn't really expect to ask the question. I have just this week split from my partner. Yeah. Uh, my husband. Um, and we are still coveting the house is in his name and but we're married so um, I understand that I'm entitled to obviously a share and things like that so we have started with a parenting plan and I'm trying to come to some sort of arrangement with him financially ahead of making a, a mediation appointment but he's he he's exhibiting quite controlling behaviors he constantly asks me to make a decision on something things like am i going to claim for his pension or not without any transparency i don't know anything about his pension and or i have a big gap from childcare in mine um so I'm, I'm just wondering where i go for help or whether i just need to continue and wait for the mediation appointment i i would always advise that before you go into um can I, Lee, sorry, whatever device you're listening to me on, can you turn that down, please? Because we're getting some feedback. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. It's all right. I can just, it's like an echo. I can hear myself. Um, so I always advise prior to you going into mediation, particularly to discuss finances, you really do need to find out what you're legally entitled to. So by all means, get, even if it's just a one hour consultation with myself or another family solicitor, whichever, but find out what you're entitled to. Now that won't mean that you'll get exact figures, but it will mean that you'll have a better understanding of, you know, if you're entitled to a share of the pension, because there'll be questions around that. If you're entitled to a share of the property, you know, what you're earning, what he's earning, maybe because of that, you're entitled to some spousal maintenance. Because I think if you know, what your legal position is that's almost your bottom line so then that's useful to know I'm not saying that you've got to reveal that in mediation but then when you go into mediation you're able to negotiate with far more confidence because you know what your bottom line is you know that if mediation doesn't succeed and you end up going to court that will be the bottom line for you in, in, in terms of that's what the judge will order so, whereas I think yeah. if you go into mediation without that knowledge, the mediator, they're not legally trained, um, so they will try to reach an agreement. And oftentimes, I will get parties that have reached an agreement, the mediator sends me that agreement to put into an order, and I look at it and say, well, that's great that you got them to agree. However, the court's never going to pass that because it's just not fair and reasonable. 
you know what I mean? So, definitely very clever at trying to manipulate the situation, I believe. Um, and but I, I am willing to try the mediation. Absolutely. I've got yeah. an appointment, but the only thing I could get was a free uh, twenty-minute telephone call. Okay. Um, I did actually pop a contact us on your website, but I haven't yeah. had anything yet. Yeah. Oh, apologies. Sometimes it does take a while. Yeah. I I always say the best yeah. way to contact me is email. Um, I'm looking at them emails all day and most of the evening and that's where I'll sort of get back to you quicker. Whereas to sort of leave the emails and go around all the social media platforms takes me a little bit longer. Um, so if it's something, and I say this not just for your benefit, Lee, but for others that are listening, if you do need a quick question answering and time is of the essence, then drop me an email. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you. All right. Pleasure. All right. All the best. Yeah. Okay. I'll come to you, Captain, whenever you're ready. Ask me the question. Hiya. Hello. Um, a couple uh, in the minute, and then I'll pop back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is for mum of one. Okay. Uh, can't follow. Where's the question? Where's the question? Can you ask Tracy, what's the likelihood of the court agreeing to change the child's school to be closer to dad? Dad lives 30 minutes away from our area. Child is at nursery at the minute. If dad asks to change nursery or feeding school so the child is closer to dad... If I say no and it goes to court, what's the likelihood of them saying yes to Dad's request? Dad and I have lived in order. I hope that makes sense. So Dad and Mum have a live with order. So the child lives with both of them. Is that is that what the question said, Captain? They both yeah, have a live with order. Dad and I have li- uh, yes. Yeah. They both have a live with order. Okay, so effectively it's shared care, um, which means that we're coming at this from an equal position. As I was listening to the question, I was going to say, well, let's look at where the child lives and it will be the school really closest to where the child lives. But if we have an equal shared care or lives with order, then we're going to have to look at the dynamics of that because it might be that dad's on an equal footing. So then it will come down to different um factors so is it that dad has a car but mum doesn't so actually it would make it difficult for mum to get to dad's school um, is it that whilst we have a live with order that there the child is with mum for more of the week and dad for maybe long weekends in which case it makes sense for the the school to be nearest to mum so it will depend on the factors and ultimately what's in the best interest of that child Excellent. pleasure children's one as well here yeah i don't know if this is child maintenance it's sort of child maintenance but not there's two aspects to it um so my husband and i are separated and he now won't pay for our son's private school fees as he said this is covered by child maintenance can a financial order help here for background we both agreed on this school as his salary is 40 percent more than mine so yes it can help because we have a clause that is actually a school fees clause so it can order that school fees are paid either by one parent or shared equally by both parents. School fees aren't necessarily covered by child maintenance. So child maintenance, um, and I don't know if we've got Anne on, um, but my understanding is that child maintenance is for the child's needs. So it's their housing needs, their food, their warmth, their clothes, that sort of thing. It's not necessarily going to include private school fees. And, And of course, not every child goes to private school. So if the couple have made the decision, that's what they're going to do and the child's already in that school, absolutely a financial order will help. Great. Thanks, Tracy. Fab. All right. Thanks, Captain. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 
Um, Iman, you are up next whenever you are ready. And after Iman, we have Lee. So whoever gets to the stage first, by all means. There we go, yes. Iman. Good what's evening. your question? Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Tracy. Okay. Um, in relation to the non-registration order, um, a client who hasn't had a chance, he didn't have legal advice at all when he's being served by a non-registration order. Um, by the time he secured a solicitor, um, and he wanted, uh, he missed the, the return date uh, of the hearing where he's supposed to be defending himself. And then when he's, uh, then he applied for um, a discharge for the non-mustation order, still waiting for the court hearing, but the duration of the non-mustation order is about to elapse. So he's, he wants to know whether, when the hearing is listed properly, the 12 months already expired. Is it still worth to attend the hearing? No. Um, or, or what does that mean? The no. I, to the I, impact I, of the order? So I, I, I don't think that would be proportionate to advise a client to take something back to court that's about to expire. That I think the time has passed. So, you know, it, clearly he hasn't been in breach of the non-mole. The non-mole will expire naturally. My suggestion to, okay. if it were my client, would be just to leave it there. All right, then. Thank you. Welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Um, Ellie, you are next up. Let's try you again. You are still on mute, Ellie. So, there we go. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. What's your question? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Um... Um, basically, in the process of divorce, I think uh, the first order should be coming in this week. Yeah. Uh, we applied about 20 weeks ago. Uh, we're in the process of mediation. Yeah. And uh, we had our first session separately. Uh, our second session is next week together. So the mediator asked us to fill up the form E's to start with. Yeah. And uh, disclose all our finances. Now... Um, I believe the Form E's are legally binding once they go to court. My question is, how much I can include on those forms? Uh, because my partner is uh, wants to claim basically the, the legal 50% of everything. And from, the, um, from some um, advice I had, based on she hasn't been contributing over the 15-year marriage we had, to any payments to the mortgage or to even to childcare, to any, any bills really. So that's one part of my question. Is she still entitled to my half of my pension and 50% um, of the home? And when it comes to child um, childcare, the child wants to be mainly with me, but she wants to see her mom. Is that something I I would raise at the mediation level, or would I leave it for a separate form? Um, okay, so yeah. so so lots of questions there, Eli. I'm going to go back to um, the for me. You made a comment: the for me is legally binding. That's not true. Um, and and again, I say this because that we've got so many other people watching as well. Um, only an order that's made by the court is legally binding, okay? So a form E is completed by you. You sign a statement of truth at the bottom of that form E, which means that you declare that everything you've put in there is the truth to the best of your knowledge, but it's not legally binding, okay? So that's the first thing. 
Your second question okay. to me was about the um, the fact that she wants 50-50, but she hasn't made the same financial contribution as you have. Again, the court's not looking at financial contributions. That wouldn't be fair if, if that's how the court divided finances, because, you know, it, it it stands to reason that when a couple decide to have a family that it's you know only the woman can do that and she must then take some time off work to have the baby so if we just looked at financial contribution um, that would be unfair to to one of the parties so we're looking at all contributions made including non-financial and then your next question was would she be entitled to 50% of my pension She's going to be entitled to a share of all of the matrimonial assets, all right? That's the starting point. Now, from there, it may be 50-50, it may be 60-40, 70-30, That's where you need to take the advice because the factors that determine what percentage you're going to get are things such as your age, your health, if there's children involved, what you earn, how long the marriage is. And that's where we can then offer that bespoke answer. So she's definitely going to be entitled to a share. Whether it's 50-50, I don't know. And then your final question around the children, by all means, raise it at mediation. Absolutely. Mediation's there to help with anything that the couple are struggling to, to reach an agreement on. Um, as long as, I suppose, the mediator's clear and you're both in agreement to discussing children at that mediation. What I mean by that is some mediators say, well, let's have a session around finance and then the next session can be around children. But by all means, go ahead and raise it. No, Does that's that great. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, maybe I just want to add one thing. It's something I don't mention and I don't really want to mention or talk about in mediation um, regarding her over the years with um, substance abuse and alcohol. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I find it hard to discuss with, uh, with someone, even with mediation. And that's something that has been affecting um, our child. And one of the main reasons the child to be wants to be based with myself is that something that usually is raised with mediation because I find it hard to talk about it. Yeah, I um, mean, it's it's typically, I suppose, it would be relied upon more heavily in a court setting. But understandably, if you're going to discuss what you think is appropriate for the child in terms of the living arrangements during mediation, you may be asked why. Well, why don't you feel it appropriate that actually the child lives with mum and just has contact with her? So it may be that you have no choice but to, you know, tentatively let the mediator know, well, there are genuine welfare concerns here. Do you know what I mean? Um but there's, there's a way, I'm sure, that you could deliver that without maybe getting too much into the nitty gritty. Um, but it, it, it would have to be made known because otherwise, without that knowledge, your request is out of context. The mediator might think, well, that's just really unfair of dad. He just wants the child to live with her when actually you've got some good reasons as to why you think it's best. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thank you, Eli. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Bronze Cats, you are next. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. What's your question? Hi, my name's Mandy. Hello. Um, I got divorced in 2016, and we had 
financial orders made in 2017. Now, my ex-husband got into an argument with the judge at the initial hearing for the financials and then flatly refused to attend any other hearing. Um, so orders were made in his absence. And now we are in 2023 and he is telling me that he's intending to take me to court now to fight for the house when the final order's already been made. So my question is, can I be taken back to court for this house when he refused to engage and final orders were made in his absence? Yeah, so your order is six years old, Mandy. The application that he yeah. would make is called a variation application. So he's asking the court to vary this financial order that's been in force for six years. He's going to have an mm -hmm. uphill battle. He can certainly make the application. I think what your actual mm -hmm. question to me is, what is what are his prospects of success? He's going to have an uphill yeah. battle. He really is. Um, because A, he didn't engage the first time round. Um, so mm -hmm. he was kind of wasted the court's time. And B, the order's been made for six years. So, you know, he, yeah. he's almost out of time, really, to, to appeal or anything like that. So, but yes, he can make the he can make the application. I would suspect that without knowing anything about his financial position, he's going to struggle to overturn that. He really is. Okay, is there a time limit on for him to apply for this variation? No, there isn't. He can, he can, he can apply for it at any time. Generally, people apply to vary an order if they can prove to the court that they are suffering financial hardship. So it's where they sort of say, look, you know, I'm on the bones of my backside. I'm on the street. Um, I, you know, I was in a real bad place when the first order was decided, mental health, whatever. Um, I do need the court to revisit this. But it's hard. It's really difficult to do that. Okay, well, we, we have as well, we have a £12,000 liability order for child maintenance that he's not paid. Right. He's, he's sort of completely left me on my own with three kids and a mortgage. Yeah. So hopefully, if he does apply for a variation, it will swing some weight. I, I think so, absolutely. And, and the fact that you've had no financial assistance from him and you've had the responsibility of the children, the court's going to take all of that into account, Mandy. Lovely. Thank All you right. ever so much. Pleasure. No problem. Bye. I'm just going to go to Dipstick. What's your question? Hi. Um, Hello. My question is if, well, it's not exactly a question. It's more, uh, could you give us um, an idea of what happens at the final hearing? For what? And uh, what to expect? So children or finance? Uh, Children. Children, okay. So ultimately, um, I would have thought that the um, CAFCAS will have done a Section 7 report um, and that will provide... No, no they, they haven't. It, it went from a first hearing to a review hearing to a final hearing. Okay. So if you've got no CAFCAS, then obviously courts haven't, haven't thought it warrants a Section 7 report. Um, it will be for the parties, it's the power of persuasion ultimately, for the parties to convince the judge that their position is the one that's in the best interest of the child. So without any context, I don't know what the parents are arguing about, but each parent's going to um, have a position. 50 -50 I don't. I don't need to know. The other wants alternate weekends. Yeah. No, I don't need to know. It, regardless of who wants oh. what, um, I'm just saying that you know whatever their position is, they will have to persuade the court that that is in fact the right position in in the in the best interest of the child. So that's the key. Okay. 
but they can't just say, I think it's the right position because I think so. It's a case of my position is the one that the court should make the order for because actually that's in the best interest of the child. Okay, and usually in experience, what's... Oh, I'm losing you there. You're dipping in and out. Say that again. I'm actually in Spain at the minute, so it's really difficult. That's okay. Um, what, What I was asking was... If you've you've got a parent who's been the main carer um, and done everything pretty much for the child, and the other parent has been very much for themselves and put themselves first over the child, is that something that the judge would look at um, favourably in the one in the parent that has been? So there's no um, there's no punishment or reward. As I say, the court's going to be looking at what's in the best interest of the child. Lots of parents don't have contact for a long time and then they make applications for contact. The court's not going to dish out any punishment for a long absence. They're going to simply look at the case and say, is it in the best interest of the child to now have regular contact with that parent? That's that's going to be the court's main focus. All right. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Pleasure. Bye. Um, I bet Spain's a lot better than here, weather-wise. Um, wouldn't mind being in Spain right now. Hey, Captain. Hello. Hello. Okay. Can you ask Tracy if my partner contacts the police for a welfare check on his daughter, bear in mind she doesn't have a stable house with her mum and is currently homeless, what are, what are the chances of him getting custody straight away? Well, it depends if the child's at risk. Um, so, you know, the court's going to take everything into account. So where's the child living? Who's the child living with right now? Um, you know, is, is it going to be better for the child to remain where they are? Um, or are the welfare concerns such that um, the child should be removed? Because I say that because sometimes what I might think as being a welfare concern is not necessarily a welfare concern. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. we, we'd, we'd have to do some analysis, um, which is what we do when we're sort of analysing the prospects of success and always looking at, is this going to be in the child's best interests? Thanks, Tracy. Pleasure. Uh, is typing to me now, just letting you know. Okay. Um, this is a question from Becky. Yeah. I have a live with order, non-molestation and prohibitive steps in place. Yeah. In January, there was... In January, they were put in place for my ex can't go and have lost the kids, his parental responsibility and the normal due to end soon. I'm looking at getting it extended as he keeps posting pictures of the children on social media. He is not allowed around the children under the age of 18. Will the court extend the normal and add posting the children online and add not posting the children online? Yeah. So I suppose the question I would want to ask if this lady was asking me directly is, how is posting the photos online detrimental to the children? You know, and, and I say that not in a way that I'm suggesting it isn't, but a genuine how is that detrimental? Because, again, um, a, a, an, an earlier caller asked me about a non-mol. We really do have to be in fear of, of our, of our um, you know, welfare. We, we have to have genuine domestic violence or genuine concerns for our safety in order to pass the test that we apply to get a non-mol. So posting photos of the children, does that place the children in jeopardy? Does it place them in harm? Um, I think that once we know the answer to that question, um, then I'd be able to answer her actual question, which is can the non-mol be extended? 
Okay. Um, and back to the previous uh, one with Shannon. Yeah. The the child is living with her mum and the yeah. mum is homeless. I see. Okay. So, um, again, some context. If, if she's living with mum, you know, homeless means many things. Homeless means that actually the place where we live doesn't belong to us. Not necessarily that we're homeless. Do you know what I mean? Um, homeless mm-hmm. to one person could mean literally um, on the street but to another could just be sofa surfing with, with a friend. Do you know what I mean? So again, you know, it the odds aren't looking good, but if the child is safe and warm and fed and there are no welfare concerns, save for mum's housing situation, it may not be as straightforward as me going, yes, absolutely, child will be removed from mum. Again, we'd, we'd need to dig a little bit deeper. Um, I've got Lee's question. Do you want me to okay. come back a bit later? No, no, ask, ask it now? No, because bless him, he's been trying to get on for about 20 minutes, so ask it now, Captain, that's fine. Okay, so um, I was wondering if, if my ex-partner is currently waiting to go to court for trial for strangulation and a fray, yeah. will this have an effect on him seeing his daughter, who is six months old? The incident happened to myself, and he has also made fake allegations twice to social services. I was wondering if the police had told me I was wondering if the police had told me he is on tag from 5 till 12 but has been seen after this time and then confirmed that he isn't on tag, how do I go about making a complaint towards the police for false information as now my daughter and myself are unsafe? So the complaint about the police, I can't help there. Apologies um, for that. Um, Will him being up for criminal activity affect the contact with the daughter is essentially the question I'm being asked and the criminal activity is I think you said strangulation and, and potentially assault um it's um, a tough strangulation and a fray, yeah. and a fray. um it, it's a tough one because actually if that was triggered let's say by addiction and the addiction alcohol or whatever the addiction no longer exists then the family court see they they have um a lower burden of proof than the criminal court so the family court might deem it that actually some supervised contact is appropriate because again the family court's coming at it from a different angle the family court's trying to look at these cases through the eyes of the child or the children you know it's really important that the child have a relationship with both parents if it's safe to do so so whilst we have many parents that have many issues and convictions and what have you it doesn't necessarily mean that the children won't be safe in their care for example if it's supervised contact so it's it's not a straightforward answer Lee. apologies um, if there is a history of violence and a long rap sheet, then potentially the family court will say, no, absolutely not. Um, we're not even going to go there. This this is a regular offender. Um, it seems to be very violence orientated and therefore it's supervised contact and that's it. In some cases, we've even had no contact ordered forever. Do you know what I mean? Because that's how bad the, the criminal activity has been. So it, it would depend. Yeah. When you've got, say, you've got parents that are in prison, yeah, I suppose they still have a right to see their child. Absolutely, absolutely, because absolutely, because people are in prison. Yeah, and 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 that's the angle the court come at. You're quite right because some people are in prison potentially for fraud. It doesn't mean that they're at risk to the child. You know, not everyone is in prison for violent um, crimes. So it it really does depend. But yeah, always coming at it from the eyes of the child. Thanks very 
brilliant. brilliant. Thanks, Captain. Lee, I hope that's helped. Um, uh, Pony Girl, let me come to you. What's your question whenever you're ready? Yeah, I'm currently going through a divorce. We're yeah. not agreeing on finances at the moment. Yeah. So I'm applying to a mediator and then it will probably end up going to uh, court for a financial settlement. I'm currently living in our marital home with our daughter and we've received an offer on the house to sell it. Yeah. My soon-to-be ex-husband has accepted the offer and before I do... I just wanted to ask, is there any reason you would advise me not to accept it prior to mediation or a settlement? To accepting an offer? Well, I suppose if both of you are in agreement that the house should be sold, then by all means go ahead and, and accept the offer. What I wouldn't be, um, what I'd be sort of suggesting you don't do is to divide the finances. Let's say that the, the sale proceeds fairly quickly and all of a sudden the mm-hmm. conveyancing solicitors holding your net proceeds of sale um I, and you didn't have your financial order i'd be saying you get the conveyancer to hold on to that so it depends really because if you go to mediation you might discover that you guys are absolutely poles apart and then of course if your poles yeah. apart but the sale goes through fairly quickly you might find yourself stuck between a rock and a hard place because the house is sold, but actually you yeah. can't get the money because you haven't agreed who's going to get what. It's a bit of a bit of a tricky one. This though. is what's going to happen, really. Yeah. So if if, if the house sells quick and the finances, he, he wouldn't be able to access the, the finances. Is that right? Until we have an agreement from the court. Well, yeah. I mean, you you have to you have to be proactive and let the conveyancing solicitor okay. know that these are matrimonial proceeds and the matrimonial proceeds are in dispute. Um, and generally, it's a letter that we would send as solicitors to the conveyancer to say, "Look, hold on to these because you know it's all up for debate at the moment. We don't know who's getting what. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, right. then the conveyancer can effectively just dish out fifty fifty. If it's if it's a jointly owned property, they'll just give you fifty fifty. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So if you yeah, think well, that, that you're that's, that's what I'm trying to get to, to yeah. kind of agree on it, just a fifty fifty easy split. But, Got you. Um, we're not both on the same side at the moment with that. So I see. Okay, that, that's great. <laughs> You've helped very quickly once again. Thank oh, you. Oh no, not a problem. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye um soul reaper you are next up whenever you're ready and then molly i'm going to come to you so whoever gets up first in the meantime while i'm waiting do i have a question aaa would like to ask a question please by all means go ahead molly you were first up how can i help um so i'm going through like a private um, family law at the moment and in may Kafka's for orders to do a section seven now, the Section 7 was due to be submitted by 4pm on Monday. The CAFCAS rang me at Monday morning, telling me over the phone what her recommendations were and said she would submit the report and she'd let me know when she submitted, but it's still not been submitted, nor can I get in contact with her. She rang me, no, she sent me a message yesterday saying that it would be, that she was, she just put, I'm so sorry, it'll be submitted tomorrow, but still there's been still nothing and we're back in court on Tuesday, so... Do, what do I do? <laughs> um, wow, that's... Uh, I mean, obviously, you need to have a look at the recommend. Was she able to tell you verbally what the recommendations were or she wouldn't even do that? Briefly, she kind of mentioned a few things, but not not really. 
Okay. Um, I think you you've got you've got to press on really. Um, you you would need to just constantly be badgering Kafkas for a copy of that report. I'd also be emailing the court to say that the date has passed that you don't have the Kafkas mm-hmm. report. Um, I mean, th- this isn't standard, but you know, if the courts have got the Kafkas report, yeah. could you get a copy I of it? Yeah, I emailed the court on Tuesday. Yeah, um, and asked if they had anything that I hadn't received yet. And she, yeah. so she emailed me back yesterday morning to say, no, they hadn't received anything. The Section 7 hasn't been filed. Right. And they were going to chase it up, but that was yesterday. And obviously, I still haven't heard anything today. Yeah. I'm just conscious that tomorrow is really the only last day to, for me to get any legal advice on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday's bank holiday, but yeah. until Tuesday morning. I mean, look, worst case scenario, you have to adjourn. You know, even if it means you turning up to court on Tuesday and asking for an adjournment because you don't have the Section 7 report. You know, you can't be expected to receive the Section 7 report on the morning of the hearing. Um, so would, you, you, you would... Would the, judge not, would the judge not make any orders without that? Depends on your case, Molly. Um, the answer to that is yes and no. Do you know what I mean? If we've got safeguarding concerns, the answer might be no. If it's is it a final hearing on on Tuesday? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's directions. Or yeah. Like that. So I, in which I case, think it would be helpful for it to be a final hearing. So it? the court can only make an order um, if it's a final hearing, unless the parties are in yeah. agreement. So if you guys are in agreement and it's not a final hearing, the court won't be able to make any order on Tuesday. All right. So it might be that the matter's just adjourned, stood down, pushed back to a later date until you get the Section 7. It's just really annoying. It is annoying. It is annoying. I know. And, and, you, and you wait so long for court time. It's so frustrating. Just yeah. keep keep badgering. In, in, at the beginning of May, end of April, yeah. beginning of May, and I just feel like she's only really started to talk to any of us in yeah. the last kind of three weeks. Now, um, I'm... I just feel like... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna tell you something else as well, Molly, that the court will extend the courtesy to Kafkas because they 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 understand that Kafkas are incredibly under resourced and just have don't have enough feet on the ground. So, you know, if the Kafkas report comes in late, there will be no consequence by the court um for that. They will simply just adjourn your matter off if if that's what you both need. You know, you might read the recommendations yeah. and think, actually I'm all good to go. Um, so, yeah. you know, but hopefully that, yeah. that helps. I know, I know it's not a great answer, but it's the best we can do with what we've got really is what I would say yeah. to you. All right. Brilliant. Thank Fab. you. Thanks, Thanks yeah. Molly. Bye. Hear you. Becky, you're, you've still got your hand up. I'm going to ask you a question, yeah. but I assume that Captain had asked it for you. So if you want to take yourself off mute, uh, what's your question? Hiya. Hello. Did Captain ask your uh, question? The question is, my son is due to come home from a section 20 in the next like few months um but um his dad has requested the dna i've accepted it and i've gone down the thingy um but my i have genuine safeguarding concerns which is why he's why i stopped contact with with him and my son when he was just born um because all professionals involved advised me to for the nature of the situation um, and my question is now, what, 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 what will happen? Because I don't think it's an appropriate time for his dad to start building a relationship with him because it's just going to be too much. It's going to be overwhelming. 
But Becky, you don't have to allow that to take place. Only a court can can force, you know, can make an order that allows dad to have contact with the child. So you've got nothing to worry about. All right. And there's yeah. another question as well. Would I be able to get um, a prohibited steps order in place as well if this does yeah, absolutely. I mean, if dad makes his application and you feel very strongly that the welfare concerns are such that the child would be at risk, then you would then make your prohibited steps application. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Just because. All right, that's absolutely good. Okay. All right. Thanks, Becky. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Uh, Rach, you are next up whenever you're ready. What's your question? Um, I wonder if you can help me. So I was married for 22 years. Yeah. Married really young had four children yeah uh three are adults one is under 13 yeah and he the dad went to prison for engaging in underage activity is all i'm gonna say yeah uh, i've got you yeah. i obviously had to move with the help of pathways into sheltered accommodation with the children yeah i've got our lot back on track and the dad was under probation and social services that's all come to a stop and now I'm getting concerns because when I try to sort out meetings, he has he has telephone calls that's been scheduled with social services. Um, they've withdraw everything and they've it's supervised contact only. But it's only me that can supervise or one of his brothers. Right. But the, there was a lot of mental and physical, emotional control and. Since this has happened, um, if he doesn't get his own way, I'm being called various explicits. Yeah. And it's my fault, and I should own up to some of this responsibility. Yeah. And I'm really concerned for the youngest because he's too young to realise what's actually going on. Sure. Um, and I want the family home to stay. Even though he knows where it is, I don't want him to have access near here, and I don't know what to put in place. To stop me getting the emotional abuse. Yeah. Because um, if none of the children speak with him, even the adults, I'm constantly getting messages. What have you put in their head? What have you said? Did it? Yeah. Did it all the time? Yeah. And it has to be on his term the visits, not mine. So, so what you're saying, Rach, just so I can summarise a little bit, because obviously there's a lot of context in there, is that there yeah, is a, a that there is a court order in place at the moment in in respect no, of. Nothing. Oh, okay. So if no, there's no court order, just dumped it on me. That okay. I'm the only adult. Okay. So if there's no the if there's no court order kids. in respect of the children, then you don't mm. have to allow contact to take place. Okay. So okay. where social services make a recommendation that children mm. should be subjected to supervised contact, that's their recommendation. Mm. That's not legally okay. binding. That doesn't mean that that's what you have to do. Um, if you okay. if you went against that and allowed him to have unsupervised contact, obviously you'd be at mm-hmm. risk of losing the children. But that's not the exactly. question you're asking mm-hmm. me here. So you you can simply stop the contact, block him. You right. don't have to deal with all that. What Dad would then do is make his own application to the court. Okay. Um, okay. it's it's not your responsibility um, for him having a relationship with the children because what you would be ordered to do would be to make the children available for contact not to supervise if you're being subjected to mental abuse 
Yeah, because then, and that's the thing I've noticed um, more so recently, the way I've had to do telephone conversations because it's how things are worded. I've this obviously red flags. Yeah. And I am, I'm, it's just really awkward. But because obviously he's going to high school soon and there's a surname, he wants to change his surname because I've remarried. Um, and I know that the dad has to have permission, doesn't he? So I'm stuck. I can't do anything with that either. Well, but but the thing is, Rach, you can. I think what you need to do is focus less on what dad is asking for and what dad wants because what you're doing is you're listening to that. You're then worrying about the implications if that goes ahead and, and getting, yeah, yourself, yeah. getting yourself into a tears when actually I would just stop... Um, any, any form of contact, if, especially if you're being a, a victim of abuse, and let dad sort of step forward and make an application to the court. So don't worry about what dad wants. You just... I've told him any time to stop, in big letters, stop. Just block him. Yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't even do that because that's you're expending your energy trying to deal with dad yeah. and he's got your attention. I just stop and block and, and everything else. Somebody on TikTok is saying the father has every right in his son changing his name. Absolutely. But so does the mother have every right. And, you know, we... I'm we, trying to protect his identity. Yeah. Is that more so than anything? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I still know there are people still looking for us because of his actions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. And yeah, and look, you you don't have to justify it because it, it it's your world, you know, no one's walking in your shoes, only you are. So that's all yeah, I'll say. Yeah, say, say things like obviously school uniform and stuff. Um oh, well, I pay CSA. Yeah, you do, but you're not you're fit enough to go and get a job, but yeah. you're not doing it because you would have to pay more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think just pull yourself pull yourself away, Rach, and, and spend less um, energy focusing on, on dad and just focus on the kids, all right? Okay. Fab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. Thank you so much for your help. Pleasure. Really all right, that. no problem. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Captain, you're having a busy evening. How can I help? Yes, very busy. You are. Busy yeah. Um, so I've had a few people ask me this this evening, and... I think I know the answer, and I think you're going to say it's not an exact science. Yeah. But at what age does the court take the child's views into account? A couple of the messages I've had from people tonight, children aged under 10, yeah. and some are a lot older. So not necessarily under 10. Um, as a rule of thumb, and, and nothing's written down anywhere, because children will mature slower or faster than other children of, of their year group. So CAFCAS will make a judgment call when they interview each family. But as a general rule of thumb, uh, once they get to senior school, they're, they're seen as sort of having a level of maturity and understanding of what they think would be would be right. You know, what they think, where, where they would feel more comfortable. Um, so I would say around sort of the 11, 12 mark. And remember that by the time they get to 16... Um, a child arrangements order is no longer appropriate. So there is a very short window for a child's views. You know, from if, if we take it from 11, 12 up to 16, to be fair, up to about 15. Even once a child's 15, we sort of say to parents, there's no point now making an application because by the time we've got to the end of the process, the child will be 16 and it won't apply. 
But I think under 10, for those of you guys that are listening um, to this particular answer, is a bit young. What Kafkas tend to do with primary children is more picture drawing, more sort of trying to get an understanding of where children feel more comfortable, where they feel more safe, rather than sort of direct, what's your view? Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, this particular one that prompted it, the latest one was... Um, partner's daughter is six and wants to live with me and her dad can we keep her with us full time okay like you say it's at yeah. six you want to know why they don't want to live with the other parents it, exactly like it absolutely and it might be that that's a real smart six-year-old and perhaps if she's only having weekends with dad and dad's new partner um you know the rules are, are a bit more relaxed shall we say whereas over at mum's house we've got a bit of a routine and we have to do things and brush our hair and tie our shoes and actually i'd much rather be with dad so it's a very fine line between listening to what a child wants at that age and actually having the adults deem what's appropriate right. thanks tracy not a problem um, uh cheryl you are next up on my list whenever you're ready ask me your question and after that is gbr so whoever get oh cheryl there you go that was pretty fast how can i help um i just wanted to find out in it's about finances yeah so i've come out of a um domestic abusive and violent marriage yeah and my ex has left the country and gone back to his home country yeah um, we've got a shared ownership um, property where I pay rent on the share that I don't own. Um, but he has left over two years ago, not paid anything, taken out loans, which he's not paid for, which have resulted in a CCJs on the property. Yeah. Um, would a financial order get him removed off of the deeds of the loan? Um, yes, it can do. Um, but he's going to need to be a part of that process. So what I mean by that is you can by all means um, go to court because you need a financial order, but if he doesn't engage in the process, it might be difficult for the court to order that without hearing from him. Do you know what I mean? What I suppose what I'm trying to say, Cheryl, in a roundabout way, is the answer to your question is yes. It might just not be as straightforward as you think. Do you know what I mean? Depending on how difficulties being yeah, yeah do you understand it's very difficult <laughs> right okay so yeah so i think i think you should definitely make your application because once you've made your application it's do or die whereas at the moment you know you haven't got any help from the court um and of course you're at risk of him running up even more debts so i would certainly make your application but then what i would say is take some legal advice how is the best way to approach that do you know what i mean as in what are you asking the court for? Does that help? Not a problem. Okay, thank you. Bye, Cheryl. Um, GBR, you are next up. Let me just take you off mute. How can I help? Hi, Tracy. Hello. Um, I've just got a quick question about um, CAFCAS. Yeah. Um, basically, um, I've... Well, CAFCAS were meant to do two reports, um, one of them being a interim report um, that was meant to be filed on the 4th of August... Um, and obviously that date has now passed. Um, and the next report is the Section 7 report, um, which has to be done by the 29th of September because we're due back in court on the 5th of October. 
Um, I had um, an officer contact me last week to say that we haven't been allocated a CAFCAS worker because um, they haven't got anyone to allocate to us. So our case has now gone to a hub. Um, So now I'm a bit worried because obviously we've been caught in October and they're saying that we're not going to be allocated anyone until around November time. Um, Yeah, I hear you. So what's your question of me? So I don't really know what's going to happen in October yeah. if I still have to attend court or... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I just... So, yeah. yeah, there's going to have to be some communication of that information to the court. So unless the court hear directly from CAFCAS that a CAFCAS officer can't be allocated to your family, then the court hearing is going to go ahead, okay? And, of course, it won't be effective because we won't have a Section 7 on the 5th of October, so I think either CAFCAS are going to have to write to court or one of you guys are going to have to write to court to say, look, CAFCAS can't complete the report by the end of September and therefore we're going to have to adjourn the hearing. Um, now, what you need to find out from CAFCAS is if you're going to be allocated somebody by November, that's great, but then how long from there will it take them to write the report? Because some districts, yeah. CAFCAS are taking 12 weeks, some districts... They're taking 16 weeks because then what the court will say to you is, well, fine, we'll adjourn your hearing, but when are we listing it for now? So you want to make sure that you get a date after the the report's ready. So now you're looking into next year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Tracy. Pleasure. No problem. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Black, you are next up whenever you're ready. What's your question? Just before I go up. I really want to thank you for your service this you really provided. It's really helpful. Like I come here every day to like listen to you and some um issues which relates to me. Oh, thank you very much. Bless you. It's an absolute pleasure. Did you have a question for me this evening? Yes, please. Okay. So my concern is I'm in a civil partnership relationship. Like we got married in less than two years. Yeah. There is a domestic violence involved in it. Just has asked that I should go register for home rights because my name is not um, registered in the property as well. My um, husband pays for the um, uh, mortgage and everything. And right now, there is an order in the court that I remain in the property paying just bills for that. And he has um, filed a petition for a divorce. I just wanted to know what happens to me after the divorce um, in terms of financial order and um, financial settlements and also in terms of my home rights. And so since there is an order, an occupational order in place. Just tell me again, Black, what does the occupational order say? That you can stay or that he can stay? That I can stay. Okay. So um, in terms of the financial order you're entitled to one, okay, because you are married. So that that is definitely needed. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing is, even though your name isn't on the mortgage, that doesn't really matter because, again, you're married. So you will definitely be entitled to a share. Now, the occupational order means that, obviously, you can stay in the property, he can't. So you're going to have to get some advice as to what your share looks like. Is that 40%, 50%, 60%? And then, of course, we need to determine if, let's just say it's 50-50, is the house going to be placed on the market or could one of you buy the other one out? 
Do you see? So I think what you need to be confident about is that you're definitely going to be entitled to something as part of the financial settlement. But how much that is, I don't know. So that's where you'd need to get some advice. Right. Thank you very much for pleasure. I appreciate you've answered my question today. Brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye bye. Bye bye, bye Black. Uh, guys, it's at seven, which means that we've come to the end of another family law Q&A hour. Um, thank you for everyone that joined me in the lounge this evening. I hope that you enjoyed it. I do really, really genuinely enjoy doing these Discord hours. Um, I, I get so much out of it and I hope that you guys get so much out of it. Apologies to those of you still with your hand up, um, but know that I'm back here again Tuesday, 6 to 7, um, Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. to 7, um, where hopefully I can answer a few more questions and help a few more of you out. So until then, enjoy the bank holiday weekend. Um, and I will say goodbye. Bye-bye.